0: everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Whiskey and Watches podcast. On this week's episode, we're sticking with the alliteration and interviewing Zach Weiss, one of the co-founders of wornandwound.com. We talk with Zach a little bit about the founding of WornandWound, and Wound, and then go into his ideas and opinions on a couple of different value-driven watches. And then after that, we get into the watches that he wears the most. This was a great episode, and I'm sure you all will really enjoy it. So sit back and relax because it's time for another episode of the Whiskey and Watches podcast.
1: Welcome, everyone, to episode 25 of the Whiskey and Watches podcast. Um, this, is a, this is a big episode. We made it to 25, uh, give or take half a year, probably just give a little bit, because that'll be, I guess, technically 26 if we do one every week without taking a break. Uh, but a really special treat for uh, our listeners and us. We've got uh, Zach Weiss from Warren wow, and Wound. Welcome, Zach. Thanks for having me guys. Appreciate it. Oh, it's uh, our pleasure. It's, it's pretty exciting. It's, it's good to have uh, another somebody else from uh, an organization that understands alliteration. Um, like we do. Warren <laughs> wow, watches. Big, big fans of alliteration on this podcast. So uh, it's, it's great to have you. Uh, we're really excited. Um, uh, so, you know, as, as our listeners know, and, and, you know, as we talked about before, we, we usually start off with a, a wrist check and a drink check. So Zach, since you're, you're our guest, uh,
2: what are you drinking and what are you wearing? Sure. So I actually uh, went to the liquor store in honor of this. because It's been a while since I've like bought a whiskey and I had no idea what I was looking <laughs> at. And I just asked them for a recommendation. I got a, a pin hook Kentucky straight rye whiskey. Mm. I don't know if you know, this one It was recommended. It's very oh. smooth. It's very smooth, very nice. That's about all I know about it. Uh, but um, yeah, it's good. So I'm drinking that. <laughs> and um, yeah, I don't know why. I honestly don't know why I picked it. I mean, I, I was, like, staring. You were, you were talking before about, like, how you just get caught. You, like, you can't make a decision. And I was just, like, to the random guy, I was just, like, which one of these is good? He was, like, that one. So, I <laughs> anyway. Um, and then uh, on my wrist, I have on the Seiko SPB149. So, this is the new let's, I'll hold it up to the camera so you guys can see. Oh. You know, the new 62MOS. Oh, yep. Yeah. Uh, watch the limited edition. So, this is in for review um lent to me by a a, a, a fan of the site I've known for a while so he got one in from japan and he was like i'll send it to you if you want it i was like yeah can't can't say none of that so it is yeah. it is a uh, is gorgeous it is a very very nice watch so sneak preview of the review is that i like it and <laughs> i'm very very impressed by it you yeah. Yeah, of of the new ones, that is uh,
1: that's my favorite. The that's because that's the one with like the the dark dark like grayish blue dial, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: And then the gold second hand.
2: Yeah, it's like a it, it's gold. It's like a matte gold kind of ochre color, which then also like, yeah. the Divers Two Hundred on the dial is that same color, and it's yeah, it's really gorgeous. But like, I imagine all the ones in the series series are are just. Like phenomenal. Like yeah, I've had a I've had a lot of Seikos, and I recently um, just got rid of uh, the SPB 077, and that was a really nice watch. But like seeing the level of finishing on this compared to that, it's like Seiko just got to a whole new place over a year. It's kind of kind of incredible. So, which I, I feel like you don't really see from a brand like Seiko. It's like they do one thing. But this is for I, their like $1, thousand twelve hundred dollar price point watch. It's like really a, another level for them.
0: I will say though, That's like great. we've had some other people on the podcast and they they've said the same thing. But like we all like think and can see it now at this point, like we really feel that like Seiko is like pushing up market with a lot of their watches. Um, like they're no longer in that like two hundred three hundred dollar range with like the, the Seiko Five Series or the SKX or whatever. They're all like starting to like get near a thousand for like their entry level good dive watches. I feel like. Of course, they still sell some of them, but, like, the ones that are coming out currently.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. For sure. It, it, and, like, yeah, and it's kind of interesting to see, but at least with this one, and I kind of, like, I haven't seen the Willard yet, the new Willards. But, like, this feels like a, a level up in finishing. Uh, yeah. Whereas before, they're, like, you know, the Movement, it was the sixth series, just was the 4 series, and maybe it was mm-hmm. the Dia Shield, or, you know, but it was, like the finishing on a Seiko turtle and a the SUV 077 weren't like terribly different. This really yeah. is, you know, yeah. um, but at the same time, then the King turtles are like almost $600 and those are four series. So that's like a lot to yeah. pay for that. Mm-hmm. They're also really cool. And I would buy in <laughs> <laughs> Oh
1: yeah. The, the new yeah. dials on those with this. And then the ceramic bezel insert. I mean, that's, I know it's, you're like, Oh, for a turtle, six, 600 bucks is a lot, but like, they've definitely upped it a bit. So it's like, you're still getting more than the old turtle a little yeah. bit. It's, they're, they're doing, they're doing some good stuff. Um, Spangler, what what have you got? Um, I think we know.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I've, I've definitely teased the watch, but um, in terms of drinking, um, I first started off. So I've been doing this thing recently where I'll switch between two different ones, uh, especially tonight, since one of them isn't even a whiskey, it's a scotch, um, but it's a Highland park. 12, which is an amazing scotch for everyone out there. Anything from Highland Park is amazing. I would definitely highly recommend that. Um, and then secondly, it's uh, I've got a Willet Pot Still bourbon that is also equally as amazing, but in totally different ways. Um, but yeah, on the wrist, uh, in honor of uh, talking with Zach tonight, I've got my uh, Laurier Worn and Wound Limited Edition Gemini, um, which I'm I'm still loving. Yeah, it's a great watch.
2: Excellent. I was actually wearing mine for the earlier portion of the day. Yeah. I don't know how many times you guys switch your watch. Day. I definitely do like two or three. It's like a habit. But uh yeah, so that was that was on my wrist for most of the day. Yeah,
0: yeah I don't blame you. It's a fantastic watch. I don't think I found a watch that I like at this price point that I really enjoy the case shape as much as I do with this watch. And most Lore's in general, they're just like fantastic. They capture that vintage aesthetic when it comes to design to a T, uh, yeah. which is why I like it so much.
2: Yeah, definitely. I feel like they've kind of up to the game and and showing that like good design like wins out over a lot of other things for the price point, you know, you can yep. get like the, the feel of an excellent watch at $500, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: What is what we need? Oh, because definitely. we're all, we're all broke, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> you can only buy so many watches and then like, you're like, but you still want another one. So yeah. It's, it's 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 how you justify it. <laughs> it's because it's it's a great piece of design for five hundred bucks, and five hundred bucks isn't a lot for a watch. At times,
0: <laughs> yeah. I always say the golden rule for me: if it's under five hundred dollars, I'll buy it. You know, sight unseen, just do it type of thing. That's my limit, though five hundred.
1: So four ninety nine for the Laurier is perfect for you.
0: Yeah, perfect.
3: <laughs> all right, so uh, I'm actually having a beer tonight. I am drinking an all day IPA which, as far as I'm concerned, is the beer version of my beloved Costco whiskey. <laughs> I love these Frosty Boys. I love the fact that it comes in a 15-pack. That's that's three <laughs> bonus brewskis. It, it, uh, it reminds me of time spent with my friends out on the lake fishing and, and stuff like that. Uh, all sorts of... Uh, you know, fun antics or, or fun ticks as we call them. Um, <laughs> so that's, yes. that's my drink. And then uh, I've been getting reacquainted with my own watches since uh, both of the or are, are with my, uh, my friends, Michael and uh, Evan. Um, what's on my wrist. Give you a little hint. The dial says rotor. Self-winding.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. my
3: Is it curved at all? No. My Tudor Oyster Prince, little thirty-four millimeter guy, uh still on the uh strap from uh Cincy Strap Co. Um Yeah, it's been good. Didn't didn't wear it when I mowed today, but pretty much the rest of the day.
1: Yeah. Nice. I, I I too have mowing watches. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I yeah. live in an apartment, so like, what can I say?
2: You can <laughs> yeah, say that You don't have to mow. <laughs> New York City. I've never mowed a lawn. So, <laughs> there you <go>.
1: <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> You're you're not really missing anything, other than I guess that's when I listen to a lot of podcasts. Yeah. So, <laughs> it, it's really- oddly enough, the the episodes that I was we were talking about that you guys did recently, mm-hmm. I listened to those yesterday mowing the lawn. Oh,
2: nice.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I. You know, depending on the day, sometimes you want to get away, and you know, I've got a little lawn tractor anyway, so it's not that that hard. Sometimes it's I get to go mow the lawn, not that I have to go mow the lawn. Yeah.
1: See, you don't even have to stop to have your beer. Like I, I have to actually actually stop mowing because I have a well, it's self propelled, so it's not that hard. But like I have a push mower, so I have to stop to go get the beer. I don't have a little caddy. You you probably have a cup holder on your uh, tractor.
3: Yeah, only on the one side, though. Only on the
0: left fender. <laughs> <laughs> that has spoken like a true suburban dad, Buzz, and I love <laughs> it. That's right. Neat dad. <laughs> At neat dad.
3: My, my, my spirit animal. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, I guess I'm the only one left. So I am uh, cracked open a new bottle. Uh, the other bottle I got on my trip up to uh, Mishawaka, uh, the Basil Hayden's um, Kentucky Bourbon. Uh, theirs is a little bit more, um, it's still a bourbon, but it has more rye in the, in the, ma- in the, uh, mash bill. So it's, it's a little bit more of a rye slanted bourbon, which I like rye. So I, I, I like this one quite a bit. Um, again, one that has been a little bit more difficult to find here in Cincinnati. And for whatever reason was like 40% off in Indiana, which is great. <laughs> so I it just it's one of those. You're like that for that price. I will, I will take it, um, I came back with me and then on my wrist um, I am taking a break from one of the Orises that we've had or, ori excuse me, um, because I haven't worn this one in a while. And I know, um, I, I knew that our, our guest actually has the, I think you still have the green version of this. I've got the, uh, the Seiko. It, it, what is it? The S S A R X O six, nine. I think so. Yeah. yeah I, I, messed, mo- I messed it.
2: that up on a podcast the other week and I think I was cut around it. Cause it's like, I, those numbers, for whatever reason, didn't stick in my head. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's yeah.
1: uh, it's the champagne dial. I call it the turnograph. Yeah. I know it's it's based off the monopusher chronograph yeah. that they used to do, which is still such a killer watch. I would love to track one of those down someday.
0: Um, I actually just found I just, a different topic.
1: Well, we'll talk about that later then. Um, okay, yep. but yeah, no, I just I love the friction bezel, I love all the it's a very busy dial, but it all works. Like, it's yep. one of those things where and then the the way the the indices or faceted and catch the light. Like it's just, it's an, it's just such a fun piece. And I actually even still have it on the bracelet. I, uh, I'm trying yes. to figure out what strap I want to get, but I in Cincinnati, like today, the heat index was 97. Like I Ooh. can't wear this on leather in the summer.
2: No, <laughs> Understandable. Yeah. I yeah. um I actually let go of the green one, not because I didn't like it, but because I um, actually, I think if I'd gotten the silver or the black, I would have kept it. I just, at some point, I, I don't really know how this happened, but I was actually like, between the limited editions we were doing, which like we've been doing, you know, salmon dials, blue dials. And I like suddenly had like no like black dial watches. And like, I had like uh, the Damasco DS 30 windup edition with the olive dial. And then I had the fair with the teal dial. And then I had this with another metallic green dial. I was like, it's just too much color. Like I need to move (laughs) some things. And I liked it a lot, but it was just, it was like that green was just a little bit too bright for me for like daily wear. But I love oh, yeah, the watch I'm like the, it's a
1: bright green. It's a very yeah, bright green,
2: vivid, vivid. But yeah, I love and I didn't. I, I like the turnograph nickname for that. I didn't have like a good nickname in mind. Maybe that would have that would have helped. You know? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. No, I That's call it my turnograph. Cool.
1: And I, I'm a huge fan. like our one buddy has a a date just turnograph, which I absolutely love. That is a that is a watch that future Michael might get to buy at some point. Um, but I, I just I love the like 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 the unique you don't see a friction bezel turnograph like ever anymore. And um it's just, it's one of those neat like watch features. It's like I still instinctively turn it the same way that I would a dive bezel, even though I can turn it away. I just always forget that like it, it goes both ways because I have so many dive watches, I'm just used to that. But like I I've got kids and I grill in the summer and it's I, I love being able to time stuff. So to me, having like the turnograph bezel, it's a subtle way to have the functionality that I like in a dive watch to a degree without having to just only have dive watches or chronographs. I like being able to time timestamp.
3: Yeah. Friction bezels like that should be used way more often because it allows you to have a very compact, way to mark the time i mean you, you could incorporate that into plenty of watches uh, without messing up the aesthetic yeah. at, at all I and mean, that's that's a the number one thing that i miss when i've got like a time only watch it it just seems like a no-brainer i'm really surprised that we don't see more of them
2: yeah i've never i've never really owned a like a dual crown uh Diver for any long time, but I feel like a lot of those are friction bezels, and they kind of do that in a nice way too, because then you don't even have like the external bezel aesthetically. Um, not to keep talking about Laurier, but that, uh, I'm sure you saw the new Hydra. <laughs> I was about to oh, bring yeah. it up. Thank God you did. I, they didn't oh, tell yeah. me that was coming, and uh, I saw that on Instagram. I was like, come on, guys. Like, <laughs> I'm like, that's that watch that just looks fantastic, but has that kind of like, here's a bezel if you need it feel you know
1: (laughs) yeah exactly exactly that that one looks so good oh yeah no i immediately dm'd them as soon as i saw their post on that i was like this looks awesome if you need somebody to review one let us know (laughs) (laughs) you and half of
3: instagram
1: yeah exactly oh my goodness yeah no it was it was fantastic like that one looks really good um but anyway so zach it's awesome having you on um we've got obviously uh, a bunch of questions, not, I mean, not a ton, but you know, we just obviously want to get the, the questions started. Um, so, you know, worn and wound, you guys have been around for, I think it was 2011. If I'm yeah. remembering from the podcast, the one that you talked about yourselves, um, a <laughs> few years ago. Um, so, so what, what kind of got you and, and, and Blake together
2: and, and how did it, how did it, how did Warren and wound essentially, uh, start way back when? Sure. Sure. So Blake and I know each other from college, um, we've just been friends since we, we like lived down the hall from each other our freshman year in college. So we've known each other for a long time. Um, at that point I was, you know, it was after grad school, we were both, uh, just doing our careers. He was working uh, in non-for-profits doing like fundraising stuff. I was working in design and neither of us were terribly satisfied, I would say, um, at least, you know. Certainly, in the hours like after work, it's not like, like like there was plenty of free time, and we were both like we need something else to do. Um, so we were playing a lot of video games and drinking a lot of beer, which was not like the best way <laughs> to spend the time, you know. I mean, it was fun, you know. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but uh, you know. And then the it kind of came up organically. i I've, I've always liked watches. Um, I've always, I, I can't remember a time I did not have a watch on my wrist. My dad is into watches, so it's like something we've just always bonded over. And, you know, I just had tons of swatches, tons of fossils, tons of just, you know, all sorts of weird things. I still have a lot of them. They're just broken in a box somewhere. But, um, and so Blake thought of me as like a person who's knew a lot about watches and he wanted to buy a watch and he had a little bit of extra money, like the amount, you know, you have working in, you know, like I said, he was working on for I was working in design. These aren't like high earning jobs. So, a few hundred dollars to spend, like he asked me like what I would recommend. So it was, you know, at the time I was into like, like, like Nixon's and, you know, something it's like, it was, we, we hadn't gotten really deep yet. And that kind of started the, the, the research level. You know, we started seeing things and um, the watch he ended up getting actually was the first watch that was reviewed on the site, which was the Soviet. which I honestly don't even know if they're around anymore, but, you know, it was a little off the beaten path, right? It wasn't quite the you know, like mall brand watch. Um, and we've just found in like, in researching watches that were like $300. There was just like, there were just no good reviews and certainly very little good photography. Um, and I mean, the whole scene was just very different back then. It was a blog to watch, it was a blog to read. And Hodinky was still, um, I think a blog spot at that time. Like he had just maybe moved from Tumblr over to, you know, another format, um, but he, you know, certainly had his, Ben had his angle and yeah, I mean, like occasionally you'd see like Loom Tech brought up or something, but they just, nobody was really giving the time of day to affordable watches and this like sort of starting to peak its head micro brand scene. Um, you know, and obviously there's forums, but then forums are like, you have to get really into something I think to get into the forums. We wanted to be between, you know, layman and forum level Nerder, nerdery. Um, and then, given the design background and uh, some photography skill, we're like, we could probably could probably do that. Like, I could probably make a decent looking website, um, which, in retrospect, it was a terrible looking website. Like, it was all terrible. <laughs> but um, at the time, there was just like nobody was doing anything that night. Nice. So um, it was easy to kind of stand out. And it just, and it caught on in, um, I mean, the fact that it caught on at all was exciting because we just had no. Uh, expectations for it. This was just going to be a hobby. It was just, you know, a silly fun thing to do. Like, I still remember the first brands we asked for review units from. And, like, you know, now I feel like, you know, maybe you have a, you are talking about before, like an Instagram handle, maybe you have a couple thousand or maybe a few hundred followers and you shoot a brand a DM. It's like, hey, what's up? Like, I was so nervous to send an email to a brand asking them for a watch. I was like, why the hell would they send me something that they don't know they're going to get back? Like, it made no sense. And I got rejected like initially by brands, you know? Um, so, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of a, a long, that kind of started going further on, but yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's how it started. And then within a year we met uh, our third partner, The is James Helms, who he had another website actually called real watch review. Um, he liked what we were doing. We were kind of doing sort of similar things and thought, you know, why don't we join up? We liked the idea and we kind of quickly also got into the conversation of making product and, that kind of gelled the idea of kind of coming together and forming a company. So um, yeah, then in 2012 is when we started making straps and launched the shop side of, of worn and wound. And that's when we started to like, you know have a business, <laughs> which we still have today. Luckily. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, that's, that's exciting. I, I guess you guys have a very, at least from the, from the shop side, you guys have a, a significantly different take and, to be honest like there's a lot of brands in there that you know seeing them on your site is the is the first time i've seen them but then once i start reading about it, i was like oh these guys are really i mean it, it it of course just adds things to the shopping list as we keep going because you know mm-hmm. brands like a brand like damasco which i had you know hadn't really heard of until i started seeing them pop up on your on your site and then in the shop i mean how do you guys you know find who you like who finds them? How do you get like, you guys have a very kind, I don't want to say like, it's a, but it is, it's a niche. Like, how do you guys, how did you guys find some of these brands? How did you stumble upon them? Because like, they're not, I don't say they're not readily available. Like they're not somebody who you just see, like you aren't going to be familiar with a Damasco just like out in the real, like out in the world. Like, like you would say like an Omega or a Tissot or a Swatch.
2: I mean, you know, at this point it's just, partially just been, been around for a long time. Like Damasco is a brand that I admired years ago. You know, I first kind of started finding out about German tool watches and, you know, there was there was Sin, there was Damasco, there was Tutama. Um, and so it just, you know, we were aware of them and we were kind of generating this idea for the store and how uh, we wanted to, you know, bring together a brands that are small, independents, micro brands, but then also just like affordable watches that everyone loves. Um, you know, they're a brand that came to mind as were a few others. And luckily, you know, it's just kind of the timing worked out because they were interested in expanding more in the U.S. So it was just, it was that kind of thing, you know, that's specific for them. But then, yeah, we have like a long list of of brands that some range from like incredibly small to some that are very popular. And, you know, we've reached out to many of them and some, aren't ready to be in retail. Some, you know, are very protective and they're not quite they don't know what exactly what they want to do. Others, you know, have just frankly they don't know the margins. You know, there's all these different things that go on. And it's it's interesting working with these smaller brands because it's not just like a classic, you know, retail shop where there's like a, a fixed sense of margin. You have to like work with the brands to kind of make sure it makes sense. And then and then yeah, I mean we've we've been growing the store a lot. We're actually Um, when is this airing? Is this going to be next week? Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. So yeah, by the time this comes out, we'll have added marathon watches. uh, Oh, cool. Which is tomorrow. That's what I've been working on. So like, you know, they're a cool idea of like a brand that's like, they're kind of bigger in the sense. I mean, they're a major supplier of watches to the U S armed forces. So that's Mm -hmm. not a small brand obviously, Mm -hmm. but at the same time they have kind of like a nerdy um, enthusiast element to them. And we just loved the product and wanted to see if we could sell it. And luckily there are nice people who were very interested in it and interested in, you know, the idea of being in our shop, which like, you know, as in our shop, we take all of our own photos and we try to tell the story a little differently and kind of portray watches in a different light than a lot of e-stores where, you know, you're just going to get a watch on a white background and copy and paste text, you know, which nothing wrong with that if that works for you. But like, you know, for us it's kind of about going that extra level. Um, you know, I think I answered your question. I don't even know. Well, I'm, I guess just start oh, yeah, no, and then. No, <laughs> you definitely did. Like it's just that, but I mean, yeah. that's
1: that, that I mean it all kind of makes sense. I mean, we've been able to talk to some of the other micro brands and like it, mm-hmm. it makes sense, you know, with, with margins and, and things like that, what you were saying, you know, just a, a lot is very, just, I would imagine brand specific. Um, yeah. So, yeah I mean I, I know buzz has buzz I know buzz has a question I don't want to I don't want to monopolize it I, will, I guess we'll just try to keep
2: going around like we, we normally do <laughs> oh. I mean the other thing is sometimes these conversations turn into limited editions because that brand is not interested in being like having their watches in the store but they definitely want to make a watch with us you know and that's we have many of them lined up and you know so far ones this year have been I think our most exciting yet you know I mean the, the laurier like that is that was a I I guess I they're dream projects for me because I get to largely involved in creative. So I kind of design watches I want. (laughs) And like (laughs) that one, you know, they gave a lot of creative license and I was very excited to do it. So, you know, that's our version of working with them, which is exciting.
3: Nice. I um before we get too too far from uh, talking about the founding um of Warren Unwound, um what what's one piece of advice? Uh, that you have for yourself, if you could go back to 2011, what what would you tell yourself knowing what you know now?
2: Probably just like be a little ballsier, you know, like <laughs> I think I'm I'm kind of like, I'm kind of shy and uh, not aggressive by nature. Like I'm, I'm more of a, you know, like I said, like I, I'd rather ideally be in a room alone, like drawing, you know, like that's like my, that's my heaven. So like, um, <laughs> having to work with watch brands, especially big Swiss ones, like you got to kind of, you got to kind of talk the talk and walk the walk and have some swagger, which like, I still don't <laughs> at all. Like, don't get <laughs> me wrong. I haven't gotten there yet, but it's like, it's we're better now at this point, you know, we can be like, you know, worn and wound, you know, like we're something of significance. Like I don't have to prove myself to you, but early on, you know, we, we definitely did. Like the first year we went to Basel, nobody knew us, nobody trusted us. And I, we could have, you know, I don't really know what the end goal would have been, but just to impress people or maybe kind of get the ball rolling with some brands earlier. Um, yeah. Just a little bit more, a little more confident, I suppose. But so. Okay.
3: Thanks.
0: So you're saying you didn't go to Basel and get into a scuffle with Ben Clymer at all? <laughs> no, no, no! Don't so fifty cuffs, uh, no next to the uh, the sausage stand or something like that. We're like,
2: we're gonna prove who has the best website right now. No. <laughs> uh, Ben's like, a great right guy now. for the record. So we're we're, we're yeah. Okay.
3: Yeah. Hey, so uh since you you know have talked with and done business with uh, so many people in the industry, um, do you have any particular favorites? I mean, what? uh yeah, you know, what have been some of the highlights from the people side of the industry?
2: From the people side. Yeah. Um, well I mean I was saying before, we we really like everyone at Oris, uh, both US and Swiss side. You know, VJ uh, Geronimo is awesome. Uh, the other people on their team here, Mark Coulier is from Canada, he comes down and, and does the wind up shows and he's just like a riot. Uh, but then Rolf also like, you know, he's much more of, like, a Swiss businessman, but he's still, like, an awesome dude, <laughs> you know? And like, I've gone on that uh, that trip that they do to Vail, and, like, he goes out with everyone at night, you know? He's he's not shy. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, they're awesome people. The first – I think it was the first year we went to Basel, we um, got invited to this this Nomos dinner that they do every year, and we were like, oh, my God, how did we how do we pull this off? Like, this is <laughs> big deal. And now we know they just invite by- everyone. But um, it was <laughs> – these, these days, like, it's more of, like, a huge party, but back then it was, like, a sit-down dinner, and we were sitting at these long tables, and, you know, I mean, I was literally, like, whatever, like, 26, 27, and uh, nobody knew what, my site. I was sitting there with, like, Jack Forster and, like, Elizabeth Door and these, like, heavy haters were just looking at me, like, who the fuck is this, you know? and like, um, But we got along really well with the Nomos guys like and we ended up closing the restaurant with them nice. um, and i don't know i you know honestly i can't remember exactly like i don't they're not people we deal with anymore i think they were just like engineers and designers and like some marketing people but like yeah but, like and i just like drank until they were like the restaurant is closing please leave so that was <laughs> that was definitely a highlight um but yeah no there's a lot of you know there's a lot of great people definitely more great people than bad people like we've we've had very limited bad experiences and they tend to be on like with like a distributor or something like that who you know and not even recently like several years ago it was probably the last time we met someone it was like wow that guy was a jerk you know <laughs> like it yeah. really doesn't yeah. happen often people are, people are very nice um, the, the Seiko team the Grand Seiko team uh, in the US in the US are great Priscilla and uh, Joe um, yeah i don't know i'm trying to think i'm probably forgetting people hamilton people are really nice pr there. uh Chelsea she's awesome uh, as far as everyone else on that team um, yeah I don't know I feel like it's, since it's been weird like I, I we haven't seen anyone in so long obviously <laughs> yeah. that like I'm like kind of forgetting all the normal, the regular faces you know um, and then obviously I'm talking about like the kind of the larger brands but in the micro brands then like everyone is awesome you know you know obviously you're talking about Laurie before but like Bradley price is a, is a great guy uh, Jason from Helios, if you ever get a chance to hang out with him do it he's like a hilarious just wild guy um i I'm, i can't t- talk about in great detail but there is definitely like a, a, a karaoke bar in k-town in new york city that i went to with the notice guys steve laughlin from raven um i think jason was there i honestly don't even remember
0: and <laughs> it's just That's we're like not welcome girl. back
2: it's like that place was <laughs> not I don't think they'd be happy to see us. I mean, hopefully they forgot, <laughs> but like that it just got really raucous and there was a lot of beer <laughs> flying around. So like, you know, it's those kinds of dudes.
3: You know? Sounds like a good night to me. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah. Still, Steve, I mean, is everybody- Steve is a really great guy. Like, you know, like Steve and Jason have been doing this for so long too, mm-hmm. that like, um, they just have a great stories. Like they can talk for hours about, you know, the, from, Sourcing stuff in China to just like the early days of the forums to just every like they're just a wealth of like awesome anecdotal knowledge on watch nerddom. It's great, yeah.
0: Well, so when it comes to Warren Wound, Zach, you know, you guys are now like a full operation. You've got offices, you've got employees working for you, but you know, and you started off small in two thousand eleven. But what was that point when you know shit hit the fan and you were like, "Oh God, this is actually a thing that like is going someplace"? And then where did you go and like what did you do after that point?
2: <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. Like, there's probably been, like a couple times where that sort of feeling has happened, but like definitely the yep. first was was when I quit my job to do this full time, which I did like way too early, and it was more motivated by disliking that job than it was by like, like <laughs> things that weren't around really being like profitable or anything. Cause so I made nothing, I mean, nothing the first few years, you know, it was, it was not, I had to do a ton of freelance just to, you know, pay rent. Um, yeah. But, so that was the first point where it's like, now I have to make this work. It's not, it's not <laughs> like a hobby anymore. I just turned this into a job. Um, but then, yeah, I'm trying to think like, it's, it's kind of hard to, to rewind and be like, why did we move into the office the first time or something? You know, like, I don't remember the exact conversation, but you know, at some point uh, Blake went full time and then, you know, we're working out of our apartments and we had Ilya, you know, was working with us a lot. And then we got like a, it um, wasn't, it wasn't WeWork. It was this place called, uh, it was, it was like that, though. A co-working space called right. Green Desk. We actually found out later it was the prototype of WeWork. Like, the guys had started it and then bailed on it and formed WeWork after. Um, and it's this horrible, horrible place in Dumbo. I am mean, sure it's, it's probably – probably close down now, but just a weird aside to their first office, you know. Um, and then, you know, so – but that was, you know, kind of half – our foot was, like, half in the water because it's – you're paying month but to month, like you can just say, "Screw it, we're going back to our apartments." Um, but then we got like a lease on an office in. Um, at the time, we were in these buildings in Brooklyn called Industry City, which are these cool, like, these cool old factory buildings from the early, uh, early nineteen hundreds or or maybe like maybe like thirties, forties, and then, they were they were bustling factories. They went away. They've been changed owners, and now they're turning into this like sort of. It's sort of a hipstery creative uh cool place to hang out there's lots of bars and breweries and it's actually awesome it's a very cool place um so our office was in there but we were you know so that, that was at that point we we're like okay we have we have bills due <laughs> we have we have rent at this point we have employees so you know then it was really had to get we were very very serious you know um
0: what year was that when you guys started to move into those offices
2: I should probably know this. I mean, it's all happened so fast. Like, it feels like it was 10 years ago, but that's not possible. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it was probably like 2016 ish. Okay. We've moved a lot. Like, we've probably moved every year. Um, we went from one office in there to then an office and more we working kind of space because we needed to use that office first for fulfillment. So, then we had two offices in there to then now we moved to another place which we have a large warehouse and a larger office for that we can grow into. So, Mm -hmm.
1: so I I think one of the other questions we have, obviously with the limited editions you guys do, obviously all the review pieces, um, as well, you know, kind of on your radar, what are your favorite watches that I guess we'll go like three different price points. We'll do the, the really affordable under 500, um, then up to 2000 then up to 5,000. Like, I guess we'll, if if you were looking at what, what, what do you like right now? Um, at those price points.
2: I I'm, I'm really bad at picking favorites just in general, like, death, <laughs> uh, like that kind of thing. I just, I suck at it. And, uh, but I feel like, like literally right now, like uh, the other day I was wearing uh, Seiko, the mini turtle, um, mm-hmm. which I think the price tag on that's like around 350 or something. Um, I I don't, I feel like that watch failed or something. Like you don't even see them places. Like I was trying to look it up and I couldn't find it at some of the stores I thought sold it. It is an awesome watch. I think it's a fantastic watch. And like, after, you know, if the 007 is no longer being manufactured and the Seiko 5 version of that, doesn't satisfy you because it's not a real dive watch. Like, just take a look at this because it is a Divers two hundred, you know, is a legit screw down crown. Everything people complain about, it's got it all, and it's very very wearable and unique looking. It's like so Seiko, Mm -hmm. you can't mistake it for anything else. Um, So that's that's under five hundred for now. I'll probably wish I chose something else tomorrow. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, what was the next ceiling? uh, I guess up to up to two thousand. I think give give it twenty (laughs) five hundred. Oh, okay, yeah,
1: give him an extra five hundred bucks. Okay, yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs)
3: My question, so I'm gonna.
2: That's true. Yeah, you. you Oh, fair enough. (laughs) I stole in front of. (laughs) Man, I'm like, what do I have? Okay, so okay, here's an answer because this this one I own, Um, the the Lander Chronograph. Um, That is a good one. So that one's just about two thousand dollars. They don't make the Lander version anymore, but it's part of their like automatic chronograph series. So the most uh, similar one, I'm gonna forget the name right now but it's like it's the same layout and design just has a kind of weird chocolate brown dial and that one's gorgeous too but that watch continues to impress me I wear it all the time like when I'm not wearing something I'm reviewing it's it's definitely one of the watches that's on my wrist most and I just am always impressed by the, the finishing on that like you know there's that kind of I'd say there's like this moment where you kind of maybe see your first sort of like higher end brand new watch you know like if you're only looking at, I don't know, I don't want to offend anyone, but just like it's certain watches and then maybe you're handed like a black Bay 58 and you look at the bevels on that and the, the quality of the, the finishing, you're like, this is what a, a more expensive watch should look like, you know? And granted that one has actually relatively not even that expensive, but like, I feel like starting when I first got into this, like, you didn't see that below 5,000 too much. Like, like people didn't, those brands didn't put a ton of effort into the finishing. Like I feel like they do now, but the fairer is finished as nicely as like any watch, you know, I've seen in a, you know, up to a certain price point before you're getting into like hand finishing and precious metals and things like that. Like it is just a beautifully finished watch. So that's definitely my 2000 to, to 2,500. And what was the last one? Is it? five Up to five, up to five. Um, what does a Speedmaster cost right now? I feel like you can get a Speedmaster for... You Speedmaster. can. You, 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 can, definitely can, five, you yes. can definitely get it for under five. You can definitely get it for under five.
1: Not at an AP, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Depending on whether or not they give you a discount. <laughs> well,
3: honestly, Uh-oh. open it up. Used is fine, too. I'm just interested yes, at, those, at those price points. Hey,
0: everyone. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but I thought I'd just give a quick shout-out to the sponsor of this week's show, ZeitzWatches.com. That's Z-E-I-T-Z Watches. Com. On the website, you'll find everything from new release coverage, in-depth reviews, and opinions on all things horology. All right, enough with that. Let's get back to the show.
2: Um, I've I've I love Speedmasters. I've had three different kinds of Speedmasters. So I had the Mark Four Point Five, um, which I. We're talking, watches I miss. I should never have sold that. I hate myself for selling it. I need to get another one. Um, yeah. Then I had the 3592, which was, you know, it was a real speedy pro. And it, that's absolutely gorgeous. Um, I mean, yeah, once again, a watch, I, I, I just I just missed the hell out of, like, it had the creamy loom of, like, a nice vintage watch, but it was a 90s model, so it's, like, a little bit it's less precious, frankly, than, like, a really uh, expensive one. Um, yeah. But it was still... a a substantial value a little more value than I kind of wanted it to to have because I was wearing I was kind of beating it up a little bit and I was like this thing gained in the year I had it like a substantial amount of money um <laughs> so now I have a speed reduced um Gosh. the triple you know calendar uh model so not not the not the mark 41 that like Hodinkee based their a uh, limited edition on but the kind of just flat black dial like the classic speedy style version of that and that yeah. is just i'm enamored with it uh, but yeah if i like it's on my it's always on my list it's like to so if i would, and i would happily buy a second hand modern speedmaster hesalite crystal solid case back i think you could probably get them for what like 3500 mm-hmm. somewhere you
0: know um yeah, yeah. So b- before we get off this topic of speedmasters, I- I'm a huge speedmaster fan. I own um, a sapphire sandwich model um, and for everyone listening right now if if you you're like me and you really love the bracelet or you don't love but you actually like just like dis- wholly dislike the bracelet on your speedmaster. <laughs> Uncle Uncle Seiko has come out, which is an Instagram page. Uh, they've come out with a 1039 if you're a watch nerd style bracelet. For Speedmasters, so it's like a flat link. It looks just like the new, or it looks just like the original bracelets that yeah. Speedmasters came with. And I just ordered one today, and from pictures that they've sent out, it looks amazing. So if 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 you're a guy that has a Speedmaster or a lady or what have you, um, and you want that vintage aesthetic, I, I say absolutely go for it. Um, I'm sure we'll be doing a review on them soon, but. I, they just look awesome. So if you're going for that kind of look, I say go for it.
2: Yeah, I actually I, I noticed those as well, and I um, I think I helped him sell two of them, if you will. I, <laughs> I I sent one to a friend with a you know first Omega in space, yeah, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. which it'll look amazing on. And then oh, another yeah. friend who had an Ultraman, which I guess didn't come with a bracelet, and he wanted yeah. a bracelet. Um, so now he's gonna have a bracelet for it. I haven't seen any of the Uncle Se- Seiko stuff in person, but. It seems like, I mean, very well received, very well regarded. And it's very cool that somebody is doing that and just kind of owning like, yeah, I'm going to make the bracelet yeah. that the brand doesn't. And you know, you want.
0: <laughs> and, it, and it's crazy right. that no one, like it's been forever. And it's like, yeah. that's the first brand to actually come out and do this. And especially yeah. since people have been clamoring for this for years and you go online to the forums or whatever, and you try and buy those style bracelets. They're well over a thousand dollars for a bracelet. And I'm like, there's no way I'm going to do that. There's no way I'm going to spend a thousand dollars on a bracelet for a watch. Um, but these look amazing um, and I cannot wait to get mine in. Oh yeah. I mean,
1: it's funny. You mentioned the first Omega in space because to me, like, I love that watch, but the reason, one of the reasons I, I mean, it's obviously, there's other reasons too, but like one of the reasons I haven't bought it yet is it doesn't have a bracelet. And I'm, I mean, even if I don't ever intend to wear a watch on a bracelet consistently, trying to buy the bracelet aftermarket or even, you know, it's just, you're gonna pay so much more to order that through your ad mm-hmm. to get the one that fits. Just buy the yep. one that has the bracelet because straps are a lot cheaper to buy. <laughs> yeah, like, and you can buy whatever color as long as you get the lug diameter or the lug width. Right, you can buy all sorts of different straps for for watches that are strap monsters like a Speedmaster is. Like, like I want yep. the bracelet on that watch, and then they just didn't. They don't make one for it. It's like, how do you not? How do you not? How do you? And then how do you make it 19 millimeter lugs? So you like how do you like they do that intentionally? And it's just it. Makes you mad. <laughs> I mean, there, I, I don't. Yeah. go. There was there is
3: something in in their catalog that that fits on there. Like even the end links fit fairly well. I don't remember the reference off the top of my head, but I I looked into it. Cause the one time we were down at Richter and Phillips, or checking the uh, first Omega out in space out, and I I like it. I mean, I, I like those straight lugs. It reminds me a lot of their. Um, Seamaster 300 oh yeah that's a great one I think they're I think that's really neat um I I know that you you can get uh, an actual Omega bracelet it wasn't designed for it but it fits um yeah because I went through forums a whole bunch to to find out if that was even the case but not not an ideal situation no
1: well i guess so zach speaking of Speedmasters, what are your thoughts on the new ed white
2: i mean it's gorgeous I, <laughs> it's expensive <laughs> i mean you know i feel the same way i feel about anything i can't have you yeah, know yeah, like, yeah i like it but who cares <laughs> you know like yeah uh, but no i mean it looks beautiful it looks like they nailed it and uh the fact that they brought back the 321 is very very cool um you know the fact that it's going to be incredibly scarce and that it's $14,000 is less cool. But.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, I, yeah. I would agree I, with that completely.
0: <laughs> I, um, I will say, though, um, what, what's his name here? Uh, R- Robert Jan Brower or something along oh, those Robert lines? Oh, Robert Jan. Yeah, from yeah.
2: Fratello, oh, yeah, okay. Robert
0: Jan, yeah, 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 yep. yep. Uh, he, he just posted a picture of it because I guess he was one of the first ones to buy it on his Instagram feed recently. Check it out. And and for whatever reason, like when I saw it, I'm like, it just something looks weird about it you know i know they're going Ooh. for that like the the 2998 or whatever reference number it is um but it, it just it looks like strange like when you look at vintage speedmasters they look great but whatever text or something something is just off about it i really need to see it in person but like i i honestly don't know how to feel about it as of right now
2: no i didn't know anyone had received that yet i have to, I have to take a look well, I mean, yeah, Speedy Tuesday. Well,
1: if, I figure if, any, if they're going to get anybody there first, it's going to be it's going to be RJ. Oh yeah,
2: that's <laughs> fair, oh, fair. He's 100. sold a lot of Speedmasters. For <laughs> yes, he has. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, he has.
3: I, I think that um, Speedy Tuesday is very cool. But if somebody wants to add yet another day of the week um, to be an <laughs> official Speedmaster day, I, I I think that works too. Oh, they
0: I've, I've been coming up with an idea. So it's not Speedy Tuesday, but I, I'm a huge fan of the Jubilee bracelet. And I, I swear, somebody needs to start like a Jubilee Friday or Thursday or Saturday <laughs> or some hashtag where you just slap a Jubilee bracelet on any watch because it's going to look amazing because it's a Jubilee bracelet and just like rock it. Because that's what I do with my Bay 58, and I love it. <laughs> And, like, I get so much hate on, like, the Tudorholics, like, like, Facebook group page when I post it. They're like, oh, my gosh, (laughs) you should have a Jubilee on that. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, screw off. This looks way better than, like, the bracelet it came on because the bracelet it comes on also doesn't really fit for whatever reason. If you guys have noticed that, if you look at Black Bay 58s, the bracelets don't really, like, fit seamlessly into the case. And so They have that
2: little lip, the little... Yeah, that little yeah. lip on the end, like, I—it yeah, like, it like, seems fit. very intentional, but it's—it's it's, yeah, it's not a seamless fit. It's—it's—it's it's, it's kind of strange.
0: But. It, yeah, it's kind of strange. But like, I don't know. I get so much flack about it, and I love it. So like, I feel like somebody needs to like start some sort of hashtag of like, Jubilee Saturday or Jubilee Friday or something like that. Or maybe I will. You know, I've shot. i shot. You this can start so it, so but funny. I don't know that
1: anybody would notice. <laughs> you can well, be yeah, that most someone.
0: Yeah, most people don't notice most things I do. So that it's going to be just normal for me. So I don't really care. Um, So, yeah, if you're listening, stay tuned for um, Jubilee, whatever day of the week hashtag on Instagram. Because it's it's happening right now. You heard it here first.
3: Hey, Zach, um, you've had plenty of uh, pieces in for review. I mean, you've noted that, uh, yeah, sometimes these even come from individuals and, you know, uh, fans of what you do. Um, I, I know that earlier you said that you, you're not good with, you know, what's the best or favorite, but um, <laughs> what what's one or two uh, review pieces that you've had in that, that you really favor that you found just exceptional? Like what, what well, what were the, your, your best uh, times reviewing something?
2: Um, hmm. I'm going to have to, I like, I have to try and remember them <laughs> well, That's the hard part. Like I've reviewed so many that it's just like kind of forget them. I'm like scanning recently, but I, you know, I'd say so several years ago, I reviewed the, uh, the Nomos, uh, the Metro, the first one that came out, um, which had the little power reserve on it. That one definitely, I, I just, I love that. It's is such an interesting watch. Um, it's very like, it's just like a joy to wear and very different from, from other watches. I had tried out um, still, still a watch I would like to obtain someday though. I just kind of feel like I wouldn't wear it as much with all the other watches that I have, but um, God, I am mean, this is, I feel so lame right now. I can't, I can't <laughs> think of them all. Like I have to, it becomes a blur, you know, like, these watches. And like, I can flick through and I'll be like, Oh, right. That one, I totally, I totally forgot about it. And then last, you know, we, we, I used to review everything. And now I send out, we send out a lot of watches to review because I just unfortunately don't have the time to do um, as many reviews. Uh, You know, obviously I did review the the first Tudor Black Bay 58 um, when I could. And that was, that's a fantastic watch. I don't think, but I feel like that's just like, it's boring now to talk about it. You know, it's like everyone gets it. <laughs> it's a really nice yeah. watch, but it was, it was just like, yeah, such a, a genuine uh, pleasure to wear. I'm trying to think if there are any like sins. It's been a while since I've personally reviewed a sin, um, but they're like, they're one of those brands. I don't know. Like I have a five five six, and I've had other ones like older models like a one five six, but I haven't gotten a new one in a long time and i like i kind of like i want a new one like maybe the u50 oh, at some yeah. point i'll pick up like that is seems like they kind of just got it right with that one um but yeah i was just looking at the sins of reviewed and none of those really jumped out it's like watches that i, I particularly missed um yeah god i don't have a very i don't have a very good answer i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> Like I said, I have a hard time. Well, I, yeah, I have a hard time remembering them all. But then I also have a hard time picking favorites. You know, one watch that came in recently that I didn't review, and I was kind of like, "Oh man, I, I wish, um, I wish I had just kept this one for myself." Was the Doxa Sub Two Hundred? That watch oh, yeah. is ridiculously oh, yeah. gorgeous. Um, that is a good one. Yeah, and then Ed, Ed reviewed it, and then Ed ended up buying one for himself because it just like sunk his its teeth into him. So, I
1: was going to say any of the totally ones, can. any of the ones that you've reviewed that ended up in the watch
2: box, <laughs> that you you literally didn't let go of. <laughs> oh, oh no, no, I never, uh, never like bought a sample unit or something like that. Oh no, I brand, mean like but, one that you yeah. bought
1: after you know just a just a review.
2: Um, God, if I did, it was a long time ago, and I can't, and it's gone now. <laughs> Whatever it might have been. Um, yeah, I've had like some weird Archimedes and some, you know, like all these other watches, they're all great. And then it's just, you know, in the pursuit of the endless pursuit of like the next watch, they kind of end up leaving, but um, yeah. So,
1: well, I mean, I think that's a pretty good segue into into what <laughs> a little bit of what's in your collection. Um, I mean, obviously you said, you know, back in the day when you and Blake were, you know, starting Warren and Wound or, or, or kind of, you know, knew each other, you know, you were into Nixon's mm. and then some other stuff and then Blake bought that Soviet, I guess, I guess kind of where did, where did your watch journey with worn and wound kind of start with your collection? And then I guess what is kind of your favorite piece or not, I, let's not go favorite. Let's say what piece in your collection do you wear the most right now? I guess, where did it start? And then where is it right now on a
2: daily basis? Sure. So where did it start? I mean, yeah, I had, um, for, like, so the Nixons that I had, I was into these like plastic Nixons that were all monochrome. So I had one that was 100% red, dial was red, hands were red, case was red, strap was red. And then I had one that was blue. I don't know. I wasn't going for like a blood scripts thing, but like, it was just kind of like, <laughs> that's the models they came out with. They were very poppy. And like, still to this day, nobody, like I, people would be like that. I love your watch. Like people on the street would say that people, you know, like they were very, they were very well received. You know, <laughs> um, I got it like a, a first generation Unimatic when they first came out. You know, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. a, like, sorry, not Unimatic. I just messed it up. You're like, I'm gonna. Uh, it was uniform wears. Sorry, like want okay. <laughs> 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 So uh, these are so you know, I was a, a like a product designer, and you know, that's like made in that very minimal design language. And they're kind of the first people to do that, and they kind of own that for some time um so it's the kind of thing i was into but then once uh, warner wound started or reading a lot and like i got you know i got a loom tech i got um like a lot of seiko fives and just you know these kind of these watches it, it, that was when i kind of learned the the, the joy of the, like uh, the military watch and tool watches and these more kind of rugged things and you know i still to this day like i prefer watches over other kinds of watches though i have plenty of of um you know smaller and more kind of simple watches too like max bills and uh, it's still vantea and things like that um but like so so that's kind of where where it started um now i mean you know I've kind of already named a few but like right now my like regular rotation the fairlander chrono that speedmaster reduced which you know is also the newest watch i have Um, and then the, the limited editions, I mean, that's the bulk of my collection are the worn and wound limited editions. So, you know, I have them all and I rotate them all regularly. So, um, you know, I've been wearing the Baltic a lot. I'm wearing the L'Oreal a lot. Those are the most recent ones. Um, I've been working in the, the Raven, um, solitude we did earlier this year as well. Um, which looks really, really good on the, like the coyote colored adapt straps. that we make, which like, once I like, Put that on that, I I liked it even more. Uh, Just kind of made it, it just worked really nicely. Um, The two Vero's, well, actually we did more than two Vero's, but there's the the first Vero we did, which was the automatic, the 36 millimeter automatic dress watch, which was, you know, people always say, like, it's funny. It's like, it was a mid-century dress watch based on, we set it in the copy based on pole routers and tuxedo, you know, watches. We liked the idea of making one of those in the United States because they, yeah, uh, Vero manufactured their own cases. They manufactured their own dials, and people would be like, "Dude, it just looks like a Polaroid." I'm like, "I know, I know. This is <laughs> read the copy, please. <laughs> like, that's what we did, but it's not a copy of it. It's just it was it was absolutely unabashedly just, like inspired by by that watch. Um, but that's like for some reason I haven't wearing that one a lot recently. Maybe it's just because I'm just not in like a dressier watch mood. You ever just like feel that like, nah, I want clunkier, kind of more rugged things. Oh, yeah. um, Yeah. And then, uh, the Damasco DS 30 windup edition. I also wear, um, quite often. I I love that watch. I think like, i like the DS 30 normal version. Um, you know, it's just an extremely wearable watch. It's like, it's 39 millimeters. It's under 10 millimeters thick. It's made out of hardened submarine steel with 200 meter water resistance. Like it's this total like sleeper tool watch, you know, and then the version we did, I just, made it the way I wanted it, you know, essentially, or just moved a little, th- couple of things around and it was like, that's the way I personally would have preferred it. And they were like, great. Um, so yeah, that, that's getting a decent amount of wear too. Um, yeah, I imagine things will swing probably once, you know, like it's just, I, I I'm wearing a lot of straps on nylon now. It's like not comfortable to wear, um, to wear leather too much. Like, I walk to work most days. It's like a forty-minute walk. It's ninety degrees out and ninety-nine percent humidity. It's not 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 pleasant. I like soak through a leather strap, Um, and bracelets. Like I wear the L'Oreal bracelet because that is just like the most such a good bracelet. Best bracelet, such a good (laughs) bracelet. So (laughs) so good. good. Um, But generally speaking, I actually don't love bracelets. I just I just find them uncomfortable, and I, you know. it helps that I also manufacture straps. Like I've straps everywhere. There's like probably a pile of straps behind me. Um, So like, I, but I just like the look of leather on a watch. I I like how it kind of helps the case become a little bit more defined to not have an end link in there. And then the different colors and textures from leather, just, you know, I just like what they do for watches. So yeah, I I tend to go between nylon and, and leather. I ended up on straps. That wasn't even the question.
1: Yeah, but you got you got all the, you got all the watches in there. I mean, so that was, yeah, yeah, that was good. Um, yeah. I guess one other thing too is you, you, we we haven't even mentioned WindUp yet. I guess what sparked the yeah. idea um, sure. to do wind up, which you know I, I think all of the all of the micro brands that we've talked to have been at wind up and they say it's you know their favorite event to go to because uh, they're all in the same room together. Um, and they, they, they all seem to really like, I I understand, I don't want to say, I don't say they're all competitors by any means, but like, they all seem to really get along with each other too, uh, which is kind of a unique thing. Um, so why don't you talk a little bit about the idea for wind up, how you guys got it started. And then, um, I mean, obviously, obviously things are going the the way they are right now. It's tough Mm. to do an event like that this year. Uh, but I, I, I would imagine you guys have plans to, plans to bring that back in 2021 or even later in 2020, if you can.
2: I mean as soon as humanly possible. So <laughs> we're just we're waiting for, you know, the doom and gloom to clear and then we're we're gonna have one. But um yeah, so wind up um the the idea behind wind up came from us doing these little like men's pop-up, men's like fashion pop-ups that used to happen more with more frequency in New York City like five, six, seven years ago. There's one called Pop-Up Flea, which was founded by Uh, Michael Williams from like a continuous lean. He's like an editor GQ. He's like this big guy in fashion. So he kind of put those together and they became really popular. And we got into there, you know, it was great because we were, we were the only strap uh, seller by the time we were doing it. I think Hodinkee did one the very first year they started, then analog shift did a few, but then by the time we started doing it, it was really, we were the really only the watch people there, but we weren't selling vintage watches. Of course we were just selling straps, And it was in Manhattan. It was a kind of scene where, like, you know, guys would come in with Rolexes on and Tudors on and Panerai's on or whatever. And then they would see straps and be like, you can put that on my watch. We're like, we can put that on your watch. And (laughs) then they, so they would just buy them. They didn't care about the price. They just liked the way they looked. And so they did really well for us. We'd sell a ton of straps. And then, you know, one year we were just leaving it. We're just like, we got to do this for watches. Like this approachable, Mm -hmm. like just, stripped down, not fussy version of a, you know, of a watch fair. And like in a cab, we literally, like Blake and I were just like stuck in traffic. We got to do it. What should we call it? How about wind up? I like it. And then (laughs) we we went from there. And then we like, I mean, we started planning it pretty quickly after that. And um, I mean, that's in the way the company works, like Blake's, Blake really manages that whole project so he's really put it together and grown it and but yeah from the first one you know some brands bought on immediately others took a little bit of massaging the first year was in a storefront in soho an empty storefront it used to be a, um, a patagonia store it's a really beautiful space uh, and it, it just you know it suited the idea really well it was like it had that kind of like cool new york feel but it was at the same time very approachable so like we didn't know if it's going to work at all there was a line waiting to get in the first day so we immediately were like we have we have something here um and then yeah, i'm trying to think did we i guess there wasn't an intermediary space So we moved to chelsea market the second year and by putting it in this like space in chelsea market i don't know if you guys know what chelsea market is but it's like yeah, it's this, it. There's so many people going through there in a day. It's just this like, it's just this big market in New York City, and it's got Google and, and like Major League Baseball, and the offices above it. Like between the offices that are there and the tourist factor of it, and just like also like the food there. Like just it is a constant artery of people. So you know we put it there, and you just have this great you know ability to kind of capture traffic from there, and then we you know we have thousands of people come through. In a day i mean the the numbers on the show are are insane when it first started it was a like a mix of of enthusiasts and then just people would be like oh that looks interesting and now that number has become predominantly the enthusiast so like you you know you go in and you you can kind of tell who's who knows what they're looking for who doesn't but the most the last time we did in new york i mean it was it was too crowded at times you know like i then i like i could I wish uh, I wish there was I like, could say that and be like, oh, it was fun. It was too crowded. No, it's like people almost couldn't get to the booth. So like it got to that point where we had to s- slow people down coming in. But it's awesome that it has that pull and the brands that are there. I mean, you know, there's a handful of larger brands that have a lot of exposure. You know, Oris has always been our lead sponsor for it since the beginning. And that, you know, once again, speaks to like, you know, DJs and the team, their understanding and appreciation of what, you know, <laughs> the value of enthusiast, enthusiast websites and, um, you know, the internet and not, you know, non-classical press um, that they invested in that. And it's always, it's it's paid off for them. They always do really well. But so you have or- Orises, the most recent one, we also had Hamilton. Um, you know, so some larger brands, but then you have the Laurier's, you have the Autodromos, you have Notices, you have Zelos comes in from Singapore, you know. And um, they just, they kill. I mean, They talk 9 a.m. to closing, meet a ton of people. People wait to buy watches to see them in person there, which is, you know, it's, it's, which is the really kind of in the end, the most important thing. You know, a lot of these micro brands, you have to buy sight unseen. And people, a lot of people really are uncomfortable with that. And being both able to see the watch and talk to the person who made it, you know, you build, you make a connection and you get to know if you like the watch or fits and all that other stuff. So yeah, I mean it really works. And this year we had planned to do three. You know, we added San Francisco a couple of years ago, so we did mm-hmm. two of those. And once again, we didn't know what to expect. And it's um, it, it's a wonderful crowd out there, really, really dedicated. You know, following out, and which we weren't really surprised by. It's like, of course there are nobody does events there, and like, it, it's Silicon Valley. There's obviously you know people who are comfortable buying watches, and yeah, I mean it's a really wonderful group of people out there, and that shows excellent too so this year we were adding Chicago and unfortunately that just didn't happen but as soon as uh as soon as we can do one, I mean like our our hunger for it is really high and I know the the, the appetite from the the readers and the brands is like is through the roof because yeah uh, I mean the other thing that was great that started happening is people were it was factoring into the release cycle and nice. so you know now brands unfortunately lose that part
1: of it as well so yeah yeah a, a group of uh, a group of the guys who we hang out with at the red bar group here in cincinnati we're working on planning a trip up for wind up chicago i mean yeah. it, it's a pretty easy drive from down here in cincinnati and i mean i feel like most of us in the midwest know at least somebody from either college or our family who lives in chicago at this point i mean it's just the Ooh. biggest city in 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 the, the four or five states you would consider the, the heart of the midwest and i mean yeah. We all have friends there, right, Buzz? Right, Evan? <laughs> oh yeah, be easy yeah. to find somebody yeah. to go hang out I know,
0: with. I
1: know people. Yep, yeah, we people we in Chicago. Me. So
2: yeah, it was it was really <laughs> the logical next place for us to have it because I mean you know everyone wants it in their city, but you oh, know, yeah. as like the hub for the Midwest, it, it made sense. But then also a little closer, you know, easier trip for Canadians, and we actually get a ton of trap Chicago is one of our you know top. It's, I think at times it's our top you know city for for traffic on the site you know it's kind of between there and like New York it kind of goes back and forth but yeah, yeah a lot of watch fans out there oh
1: definitely definitely
0: I mean if you want to do one like in New Orleans like or like Atlanta like that would be cool too <laughs> not that I'm like biased towards the south but like come on show some love for us folks down there come on it's, because, you, <laughs> it's
1: because you're in Baton Rouge for half the year yeah <laughs>
0: that's true i do yeah hey i am I, we're moving to new orleans so it's it's a commute now so so <laughs> yeah maybe no, we eventually um, get to
2: record one of these in person yeah yeah <laughs> fingers crossed yeah we, we we really like it's kind of amazing and people really want it always in their in their home city and we're like that's not a very big city like are you sure we can get the turnout you know or like <laughs> we, you know but um yeah texas there's a lot of people want one in texas and you know like houston dallas or austin kind of you know area would make a lot of sense we've also had a lot of people request one in toronto
0: um a lot of brands
2: actually request uh request toronto and um overseas as well i mean uh the uk is like begging for one and you know we would love to do one there that that's just a very, very big project. So oh, yeah. <laughs> we wanted to knock out a third one in New York before we kind of thought about going international, or the third one in the US rather, before we thought about going international.
0: But. Yeah.
1: No, I mean, it's, it's been, like I said, it's been, I know we listened to the 10 and 2 podcast, you know, they went to the San Francisco one last year and had an absolute blast. And I, I know some of us were looking for like, yeah, the, the trip to Chicago from most of the Midwest makes, I mean, and realistically too, I mean, with what I do, we host one main event in Chicago every year because it's an mm-hmm. easy city to get to from any, any part of the country. Really? I mean, yeah. you, you yeah. can, you can, and, and you guys are going to do it in the summer, which that's when you want to fly into Chicago. You don't want to fly into Chicago in the winter <laughs> by any means.
2: <laughs> oh, just the actual like landing. Oh yeah. With, 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 well, creepy. yeah. With the
1: snow and the lake effect. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to be trying to fly in and out of Chicago in the winter. You want to be flying in, in the summer <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, Weather-wise, but uh, I mean, yeah, it's it that 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 one makes a ton of sense, and you know, I mean, I, I everybody, you know, when you guys have that, I feel like there's pent up demand when you guys have any of any of the wind up events. It seems like everybody's kind of chomping at the bit to get back together to see new watches to, to just hang out with other watch nerds and 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 the brands because I, and I mean, I mean, you you know that as well. Like the the micro brands are so personable. I mean, you get to you're, oh, yeah. you're chatting with the founders, the people who this, this was their idea. This is their baby. This is their project. So, I mean, it, it definitely, there's definitely a, a more of a connection to those types of brands than there are, you know, the, some of the bigger brands. Now, that being said, having spoken with VJ, like, like Oris, Oris strikes me as that kind of odd duck when it comes to that, because they seem to, they seem to get it. And I know he, he's talked about their, you know, their, their being with you guys for, quite some time, you know, since you guys started the first windup and, and understanding the value of the enthusiast community, I, I do think they are one of the few larger Swiss watch brands that gets it, which is, is nice to see. Yeah,
2: definitely.
0: Yeah. So One hundred percent. yeah.
1: I mean, I, I don't have any really any other questions, buzz Evan. I mean, we're, we're of course past the hour mark. We always, we, I, I know our original intent was to keep this all, all the when, back, way back when 25 episodes ago, we, we joke, we would keep these podcasts <laughs> brief, but recently, um, they've been going well past an hour, but I feel like there's, it's, it's a good relief from every, all the other craziness that's going on. So, uh, it's, it's fun to get together with like-minded people and talk about something we all like.
2: Yeah, no, this is, uh, it's been, it's been nice to just talk about watches for a bit and myself naturally, you know, but, um, <laughs> you know, I, you know, this is, a, I, I like your approach to this. It's very casual, you know, so it's, a uh, and I mean, I've also a few rise in now, so, oh yeah, pretty, I mean that's I'm that's like, why oh. that's why we joke. <laughs> uh, the the yeah. whiskey does help. Um, yeah, we, we don't discriminate against
1: any other types of drinks. I think Evan has had every type of alcohol you could have, as far like beer, wine, whiskey, Scott, Like he's got a he's got it, but but we realize yeah. that alcohol and watches doesn't necessarily have that good of a ring to it. <laughs> Yeah.
2: No, maybe not.
3: Yeah. So, any sort works. Yeah, it's it's yeah. part of the process. Trust the process. Trust the process.
0: <laughs> Trust the process.
1: Uh anyway, well, uh Zach, it was an absolute pleasure chatting with you and getting to know you a little bit better. Um obviously we're all avid fans and readers of worn and wound. Uh we really enjoy that. what you're doing. Like love the Obviously, Spangler especially loves the limited editions. It's, it's, you guys are doing a really cool thing. We're big fans. Thank you so much for chatting with three watch nerds from Cincinnati for, for over an hour on a, no, on, my, a my pleasure. Yeah,
2: absolutely. You know, like, you know, I've just, in the, having become more and more busy with Warner in the last few years, I've gone out to like red bars and everything less and less. It's just, just the nature of it. Like I can no longer handle the hangover and get my work done. Uh, so this like I, I, you know, and then with everything that's going on recently, like, you know, I haven't had just talked to uh, other fellow watch nerds beyond those in the worn and wound office. So this has been a lot of fun guys. I really appreciate it. No,
1: thank you so much for coming on. And uh, you know, where, where can, where can everybody find you on, on the, I mean, obviously worn wound.com. Uh, everybody, sure, exactly. everybody should know that. And the, and the Instagram yeah. account, where can they find uh, find
2: you on the socials? Sure, sure. So um, my personal Instagram is at ZSW. Um, it is not very exciting. I, I post some watches, but I'm not, I don't put a ton of effort in there. It's also photos of cats. And if you scroll back, like, you know, con- like death metal concerts and stuff like that, But uh, <laughs> which I tend to lose followers from. But um, that's fine, too. Uh, but, yeah, so that's that's my personal Instagram. But it's open and, uh, you know, hit me up there. Um, but then, yeah, at Warner Wound, at wind Up Watch Shop, um, you know chances are if you if you if you say something on social media it probably comes to me so, <laughs> so I, I i tend to you know it's small small company we all do everything so um but yeah that's that's that's
1: where i am awesome so, well thank you so much for hanging out with us and uh and, and we hope everybody enjoyed that it's 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 pretty neat to be able to talk to to somebody who's who's been doing this for so long and, and, you know, it's been very successful. So we we really appreciate you taking the time to, uh, to speak with us. This has been a blast. Genuinely my pleasure. So thanks so much.
0: guys.
3: Thank you for listening to another episode of the whiskey and watches podcast. If you like what you hear, please take the time to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. We are enthusiasts, not experts. So don't at us. But you can find us on Instagram at whiskey.and.watches.podcast. Also, visit our website at Zeitzwatches.com. Zeitz is spelled Z E I T Z.